Chapter 3. Sales Presentation Mastery. Salespeople around the world have been delivering amazing presentations for decades. Amazingly boring presentations that put prospects into comas and kill enthusiasm faster than a poor DJ at a family wedding. I cannot express to you just how frustrating it feels to sit through a dull, long-winded corporate presentation. In my opinion, delivering such dull presentations is one of the biggest sins any sales professional can make. You can't bore your prospect into buying your solution. If you want to win more clients, it's time to bring your presentation skills into the 21st century. It's not enough to just showcase your company, your solution and all of its shiny features and benefits. You'll need to communicate value. Your sales presentations need to be well-structured and planned and be engaging and tailored to your prospects and how your solution can help them achieve their desired outcomes. You need to make your prospect feel like you've just presented them with the perfect solution to make their jobs easier and their goals seem more achievable. In this chapter, you'll learn how to transform your dull, repetitive sales presentations into persuasive masterpieces that will help you take control of your meetings, communicate the core value of your solution, and gain commitment from your prospect. Kill the demo. The first step you must take is to stop referring to your presentations as demos. When I think of the word demo, I think of someone on a promotional supermarket stand trying to entice me to try the latest sausage, cheese or wine on offer, or someone doing the hard sell on a shopping channel like QVC. I frequently see request a demo on websites and hear business development managers booking demos with prospects or having demos as a part of their KPIs. But if you work in new business sales, your job is not to deliver demonstrations. By referring to your presentations as demos, you'll also set the wrong expectations for your prospect. I constantly hear account managers complain that they're unable to ask too many questions in a demo meeting because the prospect did not have enough time and was expecting to see a detailed demonstration of the solution. I can also think of no better way to bore yourself to tears than by delivering the same mundane demonstration time and time again. It can be great practice when you're first learning about your solution, but after a while, you'll begin to lose enthusiasm. Presentation problems. There are three problems you must consider when planning your sales presentation, all of which, if ignored, can kill the sale. The first one is that your prospect will usually do one of three things following your presentation call or meeting. Contrary to belief, they will rarely go running to their boss for approval and are more likely to do one of the following. They will go for lunch, they will go home, or they will carry on with their daily tasks. The second problem to consider is how much of your presentation your prospect will remember in the following days or weeks. Although the human brain is capable of processing millions of bytes of information at once, it distorts or deletes a huge portion of that information and remembers only the highlights. And last but not least, the third and final problem is that decision makers avoid sales presentations like the plague. They're either far too busy or like me, 
they've witnessed one too many painfully boring ones. Unless you're selling to small businesses or offering premium price solutions that directly impact top-level executives, you will usually find yourself presenting to influencers or people who are part of the decision-making team at best. This means you'll have to rely on your primary contact to do the selling for you, which is precisely why your presentations need to be short, persuasive, and memorable. You must avoid long, complex presentations that delve into the details of your solution and present as you would to a decision maker. By focusing on communicating the benefits and outcomes on offer, you will make it easier for your contact to relay the most important information to the decision maker. Six steps to excellent presentation meetings. Just like with a cold call, your presentation meetings need to have a structure. This structure will help you control the meaning and will take you to the checkered flag if done correctly. I've witnessed time and time again the scenario where the salesperson loses control of the meeting within a few minutes, allowing the prospect to drag them around in circles from one topic or feature to the other while the clock ticks down. It's common to see salespeople run out of time and be forced into either rushing the commitment stage or having to try and reschedule yet another meeting. If you have structure, you have control, and in my experience, there are six steps to an excellent presentation meeting. The first one is the agenda. The next one, the qualification recap. Third is the brief company introduction. Next is the presentation itself. Next is the wrap up. And last but not least, number six is the commitment. So how to control your meetings with an agenda. The beginning of every meeting should start with an agenda. It's good manners, it sets clear expectations for everyone, and most importantly, it puts you in complete control. Your agenda should cover the following. The scheduled duration of the meeting, the attendees participating, the content you'll be covering, and the objective of the meeting for both parties. Naturally, you don't want to sound like a robot by jumping straight into an agenda, so take a few moments to say hello to everyone and thank them for attending. Remember that you may be meeting people for the first time, so it's important to get across that sparkling personality of yours. In the event you're doing a remote conference call or online meeting, I recommend checking that everyone can hear you clearly and see your screen if you're screen sharing. In my experience, there is always someone who is either late or has problems accessing online meetings, so it can pay to schedule your meetings to last 10 minutes longer than actually needed. Once you have the greetings and technical issues out of the way, you should check the time and ensure everyone is still okay to attend the meeting for its full course by saying something like, Okay, so the time is 13.06 and we schedule 60 minutes for today's meeting, which means we should be finished around about 1400. Does that still work for everyone? It's critical to know if you're going to have to cut your meeting short so that you can trim your presentation. The last thing you want is to run out of time before discussing the commitment and next steps, especially if your objective is to try and close the sale. Next, you should ask everyone attending to introduce themselves briefly. This is especially important for online meetings where you can't see the attendees. I once assessed an entire online meeting where the account manager communicated with one person throughout, only to discover right at the end that the managing director was also on the call. Embarrassing. Every attendee in your meeting 
whether they're a decision maker or not, has the potential to hijack the sale. You must engage with everyone to reduce the chances of this happening. You just simply say, before we get started, can I just ask who else is attending today? What you'll find is that each attendee will usually either introduce themselves and the roles or your primary contact will do it for them. Now, once you have everyone's attention and know who is present, you can take them through a rough agenda. This is where you start taking complete control of the meeting by telling everyone in an orderly fashion exactly what will happen next. Here's a word for word example of how this could sound. Okay, so I'd like to start off today by running briefly over what was discussed in our initial call, mainly so that everyone else who was not present knows why we're here, but also to dig a little deeper into some of those areas. I will then give you a brief introduction to myself and our company so you know who you're potentially going into business with before presenting how our solution can help you increase productivity and reduce the amount you spend on freelancers. After the presentation, I put time aside for any questions you have and if everyone is happy, we can discuss the next steps. You should also remember to ask your prospect if there's anything else they would like you to cover in the meeting. This ensures your agenda doesn't get interrupted and also gives the prospect back a little feeling of control. Just remember to stick to your schedule and cover any topics your prospects wants to discuss at a time that works best for you. I highly recommend where possible providing your attendees with the agenda in a physical form, whether that's in a slide in your deck, a description in your calendar invite or a printout if you're meeting face to face. Visuals are a great way of grabbing everyone's attention and settling down the room. The qualification recap. The second step in your presentation is the qualification recap. You must run over and double check all of the information you gathered in your previous conversations with your prospects. This is important for a few reasons. The first one, things can change. If you're meeting two or three weeks after the initial discussion, your prospect might have changed roles, found some alternative solutions, acquired tasks with a higher priority in making a decision on your solution, or in the worst case, they might have found employment elsewhere. You just never know. Second, a recap is also essential to get new attendees up to speed. It's not uncommon for people to attend meetings without knowing why they're actually present. So you may also find that new contacts will challenge the information your primary contact has given you. This could be due to a difference in opinion or because they have more knowledge on a specific subject. Third, in my experience, most salespeople book a meeting without having qualified the prospect efficiently. So the recap will give you the perfect opportunity to dig deeper into the key challenges or goals faced by your prospect. You should be spending at least 10 minutes, if not longer, on the qualification recap. If you've not yet asked the impact or process questions to uncover your prospects, motive and the decision-making aspects of the opportunity, now is the time. When you present your solution, it needs to relate back to everything your prospect has told you. You'll need to link the benefits and outcomes of your solution to your prospect's needs. The deeper you dig, the closer you'll come to uncovering the more powerful emotional motives that will shift your prospect from seeing your solution as a nice to have to seeing it as a must. I recommend that you fully qualify your prospect in advance of your presentation meeting. This groundwork will allow you the time to craft a presentation that influences your prospect on a level beyond the flash of your features and benefits. 
If you work with sales cycles shorter than 30 days or sell low-cost solutions, this strategy may not be possible or optimal. However, if you sell high-value or complex solutions, there is much more at stake. Preparation is the fuel to readiness. The Brief Company Introduction Upon completion of your qualification recap comes the company introduction. This is where most salespeople choose to dazzle the prospect with impressive statistics about their number of clients, impressive office locations, and pie charts showing their growth in revenue and employee numbers. I've experienced this one stage of a presentation to take as long as 25 minutes. Most prospects are polite enough to sit through the bravado with a smile on their face while their enthusiasm dies with every minute it drags on. Your prospects are dedicating their time to finding out how you can help them solve their problems or achieve their goals. Respect that and give them a brief introduction lasting somewhere between two to five minutes maximum. Your company introduction should create a personal connection between you, your company, and your prospects. And the best way to do this is by using stories. So rather than boast about why you're so awesome, Tell your prospects how you started out. Tell them a funny story about your CEO or talk about your key vision and mission and why it matters. Show them pictures, faces, or even better, play them a cool short video testimonial of one of your customers saying exactly how you help them solve a particular problem. I also urge you to start with a short introduction about yourself too, especially if you're presenting to multiple people. If you're using a presentation deck, Put in a picture of yourself and share a small insight into you and your background and maybe even why you chose to work where you work. Make yourself a unique memory to your prospects rather than just another corporate bore. Your prospect will remember an engaging story much more than a dreary list of statistics. I found from experience that a brief company introduction works best for most prospects, but you must remember to consider your audience and adapt to their needs. In certain parts of the world, some prospects may request the corporate drool I am telling you to avoid, and it may also be worth including when presenting to larger corporations. As with everything in sales, it's about tailoring your approach to the unique prospect in front of you and not using the same rigid approach for everyone. How to prepare for your presentation. Once you've stripped your prospect bare of everything you need to know about their pains or goals, it's time to put that information to good use. Your sales presentation is where you'll put forward your recommended solution for your prospect situation, remembering to make it short, persuasive and memorable. You should decide in which method to present based on the circumstances. In general, I find technology to be a distraction that can remove an element of the personal connection from a meeting. However, there are times where technology can be a powerful ally. If you're sitting face to face with one or two individuals and don't have much to show, consider leaving your laptop in your bag. Alternatively, if you have more than two people present or are holding an online meeting, a presentation deck is recommended. Many people think about death by PowerPoint when they hear the words presentation deck or slides. If you're one of these people, I suggest you search for Dan McMillan's Life After Death by PowerPoint video on YouTube to educate yourself on that subject. 
Using a presentation deck is a highly professional and recommended weapon to support you with your presentations, but only if done the right way. Here's a few pointers to consider. First, keep your slides clean and simple. Next, use black text on a white background where possible. Next, use single words or short quotes to avoid long sentences. Next, use high quality images and avoid cliche stock photos. Next, avoid too many detailed pie charts or graphs. And lastly, avoid too many flashy animations or transitions. You must ensure there is a purpose to every slide you include in your presentation. Personally, I like to use very simple slides with memorable images that increase the chance my audience will remember a particular point and also use them as prompts for myself to talk about a specific topic or tell a story. The more complicated and flashy your presentation, the bigger risk that something will go wrong. Some other considerations to remember when preparing your presentation are as follows. The internet connection. Personally, I create my presentation deck in the cloud and then download it offline. I then switch my machine into flight mode to present which avoids any annoying or embarrassing pop-up messages interrupting my presentation and means that I don't have to worry about the internet whatsoever. The flow. It's important to time your spoken words with the transition of slides to enable a smooth delivery. This is why I avoid using flashy transitions and always bring along a wireless presenter. If you have to walk to your laptop and click five times just to move to the next slide, You'll kill your flow and irritate your audience. Your timing. It's important to rehearse and calculate how long your presentation will take, remembering to factor in time for dialogue. I find that writing a word-for-word -word script in the speaker notes and placing discrete markers on a few pages to let myself know where I am in the presentation can help ensure I keep to the schedule. Your speed of tone. When rehearsing and delivering your presentation, it's important to maintain a good rate of speech. Speak too fast and your communication will be lost. Speak too slow and your audience may become disengaged. I recommend recording yourself and having a friend or colleague give you some feedback so you can adapt if necessary. Your focus. You must not allow your presentation deck to distract you from communicating with your audience. I've seen so many presenters spend more time looking at their screen than the people in front of them. You must make eye contact if you're presenting face to face and you must pretend if you're presenting remotely. You need to talk to your audience, not your screen. Preparation time. Putting together a presentation can be a lengthy process, but spending too much time on doing so may not be feasible. In an ideal world, you'll tailor your presentation to the unique needs of each prospect. In the real world, you'll probably not have this option. If you have a little or no preparation time, I recommend building two or three ready-made templates to suit most of your common prospect types. Alternatively, create one presentation with a few customizable slides you can edit quickly before every meeting. Your mental preparation. With so many practical things to remember, it can be easy to get a little nervous before delivering a presentation. 
Just bear in mind again that all you're witnessing is the buildup of adrenaline, which, as I mentioned earlier in the book, you can use positively to pump yourself up and enhance your performance. However, you may prefer to feel in a relaxed mood before starting the presentation, in which case, I recommend you think about what you usually do to relax and spend a few minutes doing exactly that before the start of the meeting. A positive state of mind will enhance your performance and increase the chances of winning the sale. So whether it's reading, going for a walk, relaxing to classical music or rapping to Eminem, always make sure you put a little time aside to get yourself into a peak state. How to present your solution. The way you begin the presentation of your solution can have an enormous impact on the engagement of your audience. If you jump straight into the detail of your solution, it will feel too much like a cliche sales pitch and you may get instant disengagement from your prospect. Your presentation shouldn't feel like a pitch. It should feel like a relatable journey your prospect knows well. This is your opportunity to demonstrate just how well you understand your prospect's needs and present them with the perfect solution. The key ingredient to an excellent presentation is as follows. Number one, the usage of pain and pleasure motives of the prospect. Number two, the usage of story, can be customer cases or personal examples. And number three, brief explanations of your solution focused on the benefits and outcomes it brings. In her TED talk back in 2011, the queen of presentation design, Nancy Duarte, brilliantly explained just how to deliver a presentation that moves your audience emotionally and breaks down resistance. Nancy accurately points out that you'll always encounter resistance from your audience. And to break that resistance, you need to move back and forth between the reality of how things are today, which is the what is, and the picture of how things could be if they buy into your idea. Translated into the sales world, what Nancy describes as the what is and what could be are the pain and pleasure motives of the prospect. The classic sales presentation usually follows more of a pleasure, joy and ecstasy strategy, which is why it often feels too much like a pushy sales pitch. Ideally, you should present your idea using the following structure. Start off by talking about the pain or goal your prospect faces today. Then move on by talking about the pleasure of overcoming that pain or achieving that goal. Next, you show or tell a story of a customer who faced and overcame a similar challenge. And then you briefly explain how your solution helped. And then you repeat the above steps. The number of times you repeat the steps will depend on how detailed your solution is and how much time you have. Ideally, you'll run through these steps at least two to three times minimum for full impact. How to begin your presentation. Getting your presentation off to a smooth start is critical. You must find a way to instantly engage your audience to ensure they pay close attention to every word you say. Just like the way to Rome, there is no one way to start your presentation. So I'll share my personal favorites so you can choose which one works best in your line of business. Number one, start with a story. Starting with a story is a great way to engage your audience instantly. 
You could tell a story about the problem facing one of your customers before they invested in your solution. Or, even smarter, use a fictional character but base the story on your prospect's journey. I found that playing a customer testimonial video can also be a great way of storytelling. This way, you also don't need to worry about memorizing all of the story. Number two, start with something funny. By telling a funny story or a joke, or by showing a comical image that represents your prospect's current situation, you can really lift the room and build instant rapport with your audience. Just remember not to become a comedian. One joke is a laugh, two is a crime. Number three, start with a quote. If you can find a quote relevant to your prospect's current situation, pop it in your opening slide in big, bold writing and talk about how it relates to the situation. My personal favorite is to use a quote from the prospect themselves. I take a ridiculous number of notes when speaking to my prospects and very often I like to write down powerful statements they tell me about their current scenario. By using your prospect's own words, you'll instantly kill any resistance, grab your prospect's attention, and you may even get a little smile. Number four, start with a statistic. If you can find a compelling statistic that again relates to your prospect scenario or a common challenge faced by others in their industry, then use it. You could use a financial number, a percentage, or a clean graph on your slide in big fonts. Just remember not to include too much, if any, supporting text. It's much better just to put a statistic on the slide and explain the meaning behind it yourself to ensure you maintain connected with your audience. Number five, start with an emotional picture. You need to get your prospect emotionally connected to your presentation and displaying an image is a great way to do this. By showing a picture that triggers an emotional reaction, you'll instantly put your prospect into that state. If you want them to feel frustrated, show them a picture of an extremely frustrated person. If you want them to feel joy, Show them an image of someone looking joyful, followed up by a short story or opening point. Let's say you're presenting to the CEO of a Fortune 500 company who's struggling with their work-life balance. If you know they have a family, you could start by showing them a picture of a happy family or by sharing a story about a retired person talking about how not spending enough time with family is their biggest regret. Or... You could start with a picture of a drained and stressed looking person, all of which should generate an emotional response. You should always leave a moment of silence as usual to allow your prospect to digest the image, quote or story. Silence will further empower the emotion and keep your audience engaged. If I were presenting to the CEO mentioned and decided to show a picture of a drained and stressed person, I might talk about how CEOs are working 70-hour weeks, drowning in employee issues, drained by endless business travel, and plagued by the guilt of not spending enough time with the family. I may then use a statistic or headline from a reputable source that supports my facts or talks about the impact this is having, such as what percentage of CEOs report to have suffered from mental illness or stress during the past 12 months. Once you've painted a painful enough picture, you should then progress onto the pleasure of how things could be. 
you may use a success story of how another CEO who suffered from the same issues managed to turn things around. You'll then move on to explain how they managed to do this. Now, naturally, your solution should be at the core of the recipe, but remember to stay humble at the same time. One way of doing this is to make sure you give praise to the other factors that were required from the customer themselves to have achieved this success, such as their willingness to get out of their comfort zone. You should be careful not to be too vague when explaining how you helped your customer solve a particular problem, but at the same time, you should avoid going in too much detail. There's a fine line between making something seem so easy that it sounds unrealistic and making it seem so complicated that it sounds unachievable. If you're selling software, you may feel the need to log in and start showcasing your solution live at this point. But this can be a grave mistake. Demonstrating software in the middle of a presentation can cause all sorts of problems. Your software may take a while to load, the internet connection may be poor, or your prospect may start focusing on and asking if they can see all of the exciting, nice to have features staring them in the face. The biggest problem of showing your solution in too much detail at this point is that it removes the buildup of suspense you're trying to create with your presentation. You want to create a sense of excitement about the solution by showcasing a small glimpse, almost teasing your prospect. By showing them everything, you risk losing your flow, running out of time, and giving your prospects no reason to continue the conversation any further. You may feel that your solution is so good that demonstrating it live will close the sale. But if this were the case, you wouldn't be reading this book because your job would be obsolete. Remember that you're supposed to be presenting in the same way you would to a decision maker, whether they're present or not. The time for demonstrations should come later in the sales process. You must first convince your prospect they need your solution. So rather than show a live demonstration, use screenshots if you must. Short videos are also good or simple explanations that paint a picture of how it works. You'll find that even if you demonstrated your solution live, you usually show the same areas every time anyway, so why not just grab a couple of screenshots and avoid the risk of the technical hiccups. You may also wish to use customer cases within the presentation as well. However, a common grumble I hear among sales teams is that they lack such materials, with the marketing department obviously used as a scapegoat. But a customer case study is just a story, and you don't need a PDF, website, or a piece of printed material to tell a story. You probably have more compelling stories in your head than your marketing department could put together in a year. Use them. As you move through your presentation, it's critical to ensure your prospect is still engaged and you get a sense of how they feel about your solution so far. And you can do this by again using heat check questions. The most natural heat check question you may be tempted to use is to ask your prospect if they have any questions so far. This will lead to little or no engagement. You must ask open-ended questions that force the prospect to participate in the conversation. I recommend in creating no less than two checkpoints in your presentation where you'll heat check. You should also memorize and use at least two different heat check questions to avoid your prospect picking up on your strategy. 
Here's a few examples to choose from. How does that sound so far? How do you think this will fit in with your current processes? Which area do you think you could get the most value from and why? How do you think this will help you with solving problem or goal? Which part do you like best and why? Remember also to include those small involvement questions where possible to psychologically put your prospect in the driver's seat and test if they're primed for the close. Here's a few examples. Who will be handling this area of the solution? Which option do you think would work best for you? How many users do you think you will need? Who do you think will need to go through the training? If you have multiple people attending, it's a good idea to make sure they're all engaged and not sitting with arms crossed and unanswered objections. Bring them into the conversation by calling their name and directing one of your heat check questions at them. The worst possible mistake you can make throughout your presentation is to talk too much and forget to engage your audience. But sadly, the presentation stage is where this occurs most. But you can resolve this by getting into the habit of always asking two or three heat check questions in every single presentation. How to wrap up your presentation. Once you have your prospect sitting on the edge of their seat, feeling emotionally dizzy by the journey of pain, pleasure and stories you've taken them on, it's time to bring down the curtain on your presentation. Every great presentation ends with a powerful and memorable ending. In the digital world, this is what a marketer or copywriter would often refer to as your call to action. I like to refer to it as the presentation wrap up. The wrap-up is where you outline the important parts of your presentation in a short sentence or two and put your prospect in a position where they're ready to talk about commitment. If you study some of the greatest speeches of all time, you'll notice that they all have certain trends or structures in common. When you evaluate the wrap-up of these speeches, repetition is pretty much always present. They don't necessarily repeat the same things multiple times, but they do replicate the structure of the sentence, as you will hear in the following examples. Martin Luther King Let freedom ring from the mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. Or Malcolm X They're not going singing, we shall overcome. They're not going with white friends. They're not going with place cards already painted for them. You should try to apply this in your presentation wrap-ups if possible. And unless you're selling more of an idea than a finalized solution, you should also list all of the benefits and outcomes your prospect will get when they invest in your solution. Remembering to touch on any emotional motives uncovered earlier in the sales process. The advertising legend David Ogilvy once said, Unless your advertising contains a big idea, it will pass like a ship in the night. The same principles apply for your presentation wrap-ups too. You need to communicate your big idea in one clear, concise wrap-up. Your wrap-up should also include the other key selling points included with your solution, such as free support, training, onboarding and product updates before telling your prospect the investment required, asking how that sounds, shutting up and waiting for their response. Both your presentation and wrap-up should also be designed 
to answer any potential objections you can expect to. It's better for you to bring up an objection before your prospect does. Here's an example of a solid sounding wrap up. So just to quickly recap, this is an all-in-one hosted software suite to help you measure and improve the performance of your team, resulting in you saving time by avoiding the tedious processes and manual reporting that you use today and increasing employee motivation. It will integrate seamlessly with your current HR and CRM platforms, saving you time and ensuring you can start getting instant value from day one. Everyone, including your senior directors, will be able to see that, meaning you can get instant results and complete transparency, which will hopefully reduce the pressure from above. The reporting functionality also means you can automate the processing of reports and even assign performance recognition badges to save you and your team time and motivate your employees the minute they achieve significant milestones. You'll also get completely free product updates for 12 months, as well as a personal account manager to ensure you and your team get the best out of the solution. The agreement is for 12 months with payment required up front and the total investment required comes to a total of £3,500 per year. How does that all sound? In a nutshell, your presentation wrap-up is the icing on your cake. It should move your prospects emotionally and prompt them to take action. When done right, it should move your prospect from considering your solution to wanting it. It's what I like to call closing with discretion. The wrap-up is one of the most important areas of your presentation, and you must dedicate some time to getting it right. I recommend writing it down word for word, reading it aloud, and maybe even recording yourself or role-playing with someone if you're serious about getting it right. Because mastery is only obtained by doing.